Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Eldor Olafsson, who's the CEO of AEX Gold. They have an asset in Greenland. Now, that's a fairly well-endowed country in terms of its mineralogy, but these guys are after gold, fairly high-grade gold, over 18 grams a tonne, which is spectacular on any level. They are talking to us today about their business model, how they hope to sidestep and advance this project into production without the need for feasibility study. He explains how. He also talks about his business model for the rest of this year and the need to raise capital in some point within the next 24 months. Enjoy the podcast. Elder, how are you, sir? Fine, thank you. Glad to be on here with folks. So. Thanks for having me. No, right. So it's a, it's a new story to um, people here at Crux, a new story to me, actually. Um, so I'm quite uh, looking forward to hearing about it. But first, can you just give us a one-minute overview of the business, then we'll pick it up from there. Right. So we are a gold company focused solely on Greenland, uh, only with high-grade assets. Our key asset is a past-producing mine called Naluna, um, with a resource of 18.7 grams per tonne. And then we have a land package of similar properties, 20, 30 or similar properties, uh, all covering all of South Greenland. So if you want to kind of a play high-grade gold in Greenland, you would then do it through us. Okay, thanks for that. Now, um, I just want to start off, I always ask people about their business plan, what they kind of set out to do. But I think in this instance, because you're kind of a new team to us, can you give me a little bit of your background? What's your experience, your relevant experience, and maybe uh, the relevant members of the team? Well, I'm a geologist. I studied geology, and I'm Icelandic. I studied geology here in Iceland. And my background is that I built up businesses in geothermal, oil and gas, and our mine. My previous venture that I founded and then built up was a geothermal distributing company uh, in China together with Sinopec Group, which is one of the largest geothermal, uh, sorry, oil company in the world. And we had an exclusivity to build up district heating in China, all north of Yangtze River. We became quite successful in doing that, and we built it from one city to, or one province to actually three or four provinces, and this is now the largest geothermal district heating network in the world. Uh, subsequently, together with my master sold out of that venture in, in 2012, and this company is now, I believe, to be listed, be, becoming to be listed in, in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And since then, I've been solely focused on Greenland and building up this opportunity. Okay, so tell me a bit more about the team with the relevant experience, because you clearly know how to build a business. Got that. Uh, I'm trying to find the, the relevancy to this. So who in the team do you lean on for the gold mining experience? Um, just as a quick background to that, because you're absolutely right. I, I, being Icelandic, um, the key matter of Greenland is actually obviously mining. And it's it's one of the pillars of what people want to, or the government, they want the country to evolve and begin, become economically independent. So Icelandic companies and Scandinavian companies have been in the forefront together with the Greenlands to build up infrastructure in the country. Okay, so we're only very short distance away. However, you're right. I mean, Iceland doesn't have active gold mines. So what we have done since we started in Greenland in 2013 is that we build the company up slowly and gradually with the right relevance. So currently we have a full 
scale team, not only as an exploration team, but as a development and a production team where we want to go to. And, and you know, first and foremost, I want to mention our chairman, who is uh, Graham Stewart, who has successfully built similar business in the new jurisdiction in oil and gas, mind you, but has that overall experience in, in, in setting up a business, funding in the right manner, do it in a way that it's in harmony with local community and governments, et cetera, et cetera, and has subsequently sold his business uh, uh, last year for Petroleum. Uh, and has, is perceived to be one of the, uh, or Farrah Petroleum was under his leadership, perceived to be one of the um, companies and, and management team that gives, you know, investors very good quality corporate governance, guidelines, and so on. Then with all of our mining aspect, we built all of that up in Montreal and in the UK. So we took part of our, uh, the predecessor team that used to own this asset, and I'll go into that in a minute, we brought them on board. Those are Joan Plant, uh, one of our board members, uh, Georgia Quimby. She was involved with, with the, the company, our predecessor. So we brought some of that experience. And then all of our technical and operational team, they sit in Montreal. And we've been growing that team steadily over two years. So we have Martin Menard, who is our COO. And he has uh, worked on various different projects, both in Canadian artists, in Burkina Faso, in Guyana. Really large project for big companies uh, in this space. And he's been leading the whole setup of getting this mine back into production, essentially, with engineering studies, procurement, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of that, we have uh, Robert Menard, which is our director. And he has similar kind of gray hair on that experience. And we have George Fowley, who's our CFO, who came involved, got involved in around the, the IPO that we did in, 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 in Toronto in, uh, 2017. Uh, so that's kind of a, the team as it says now. We also have geologists, process engineers, engineers and so on in, in our yeah. ranks. But, you know, Perfect. I guess people can look at the PowerPoint and some, look at some of the experience. There's yeah. some pretty big numbers there. Asikane experience to mind, for example. And um, as you yeah. say, Graham sold his company for about 800 million. So I think I'm just trying to build a picture here of the competence and experience of not just building companies, but relevant experience and doing what you're trying to do. Um, can we talk about what you did set out to do? Because you gave us a clue there as to you know, how this thing started, but maybe uh, explain what was the vision, what were you trying to do day one, and then how has that you know, come about to where you are today? Because that's going to help inform us as to what you're trying to do for the future. Can you tell us that? Right. Greenland is, and as you saw, there have been even countries and national leaders that have been interested in Greenland quite recently. It, well, the reason is it has one of the biggest potential for minerals that I can see in the world today. It's an OECD jurisdiction, and the whole country, 90% of it is covered with ice, which is, to some extent, is shrinking, obviously, due to global warming. So more and more ground is coming up to surface. And this ground, what you have to look at it is that this ground has all been cut by glacier. So there's a whole... You can see a full, it's like having an old drilling session from top of the mountain all the way to the bottom of the fjords. So when Greenland started to open up for exploration around 2005, then a lot of the deposits were just on surface. So they discovered many of the largest rare earth deposits, sink deposits, or I should say base metal deposits, titanium, uh, and, and different kind of assets. So when I came to this, I saw this was in the kind of our time when the cycle has started turning down. And I had had my eye on Greenland and 
And the biggest issue there were cost. People said, yes, it's very prospective, but you know, there are not many people who live there, et cetera, et cetera. So I started looking at it closely with my Icelandic hat on being an Arctic country, an island, and you had to kind of know what to do. And for me, this was the best geology I had ever seen. I mean, literally all of our deposits are outcropping on surface. So you're not necessarily looking to do geophysics, shooting in the ground, trying to find how it, you can just see it, right? But on the downside, doing exploration there has been considerably more expensive than elsewhere. And that has a lot to do with that. There isn't as many people living there. The ground is there, doesn't have as much, uh, um, well, you know, it hasn't been walked, it hasn't been explored, et cetera, et cetera. So to answer your question, what I wanted to do is that I saw quite consistently, I wanted to build a portfolio of a producing asset that could support the whole exploration in the region. And I wanted to focus on gold. One of the reasons is gold projects, uh, you know, you have a very active market with gold. Also gold, or the best gold provinces in Greenland are in South Greenland, which is the more southern tip of, which is more southern than Iceland. We have longer summer in South Greenland than in Iceland, right? So it's accessible. It had, that has actually a very good infrastructure in place, both telecommunication, it has good airports, all of these things that I knew would matter when you start building these projects. And most importantly, it had infrastructure built by our predecessors, harbor, roads, all of these things, permits, everything was in place, which actually in the Arctic and in Greenland, it's not about, I don't think geology will teach you, actually what is always more riskier is cost. How are you going to make sure you, 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 you handle the cost? And the more of this has been done for you in a region and is known, the better. And that's where we started as, as a focus. And then you asked me, how has this evolved? I mean, we built up first this asset and we then started taking up a lot of the exploration. And then people told us like, that's very strange. I mean, why would you be taking up exploration as no one is giving you any value for it? But we knew that this would come in play. We knew that if you look at the profile of all of the big major gold companies, it's actually, you know, they, they're not replacing the ounces that they take out. And we also knew that after 2012, when you had all of these different uh, government act, anti-bribery acts, all of these different uh, legislation coming forward, that people wanted to make sure that their investment and their operation was done in an environmentally, socially uh, sound way. So having projects in place where the government actually wants you to set up mines, but you have to follow extremely strict standard how you do that. And it's all for me being nice that we want to do that. We want to make sure that when we leave the ground, it's greener. We build up some infrastructure for the local communities like hydropower, wind, anything that could be used for local towns and so on and build it up in that kind of a harmony. Uh, so so you, because I don't want to be, you know, 20 years down the line, living in Iceland, having people yell at me for not doing things properly. And I think that's part of being in the Arctic and in that Arctic community. And that's kind of how we laid down the whole foundation. For it, I think, sorry, a long answer to No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. It's, it's, it's interesting and I, and I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I guess, what we want to do is get out of you the economic side of things, because I think a lot of companies say what you said, wherever they are in the world. And I appreciate, you know, that, you know, Iceland and Greenland more than most um, would, would be conscious of that. But it does happen all around the world. So and people may 
say something about you in, in the future if you don't do it properly. So I get that. But I think you also have a lot of shareholders say something about uh, something to you today if you don't do it in an economic way. Okay. So you've let, let's go back to the model. Okay. Because that's really important. Okay. So you're saying we, we, we're going into an old uh, mine. I've got extremely high grades there, you, you know, 18 grams per ton sort of level, which is meaningful, very, very meaningful, but it's small. It's a very, you know, you, what you know today, it's a, you know, it's a small resource. So can we talk about how you move it from there? And if it's just going to be able to, you know, finance some other activities that you're doing, then, you know, that's what it's there for. Or do you think you can grow that so it can not only just pay your costs and your, you know, pay, pay your way, but also be a significant part of the value of the company going forward? So what have you got today? Our purpose here is to build a full cycle gold company. As you say, on our presentation material and everything else, and our key in our and this is maybe because I'm not necessarily a Goldberg. I don't want to be, you know, awake every single night thinking about where the gold is going to be. So I need to make sure that every single gold ounce I produce is as economical as possible. Right? And great gives you that. So I can't specifically speak about our project because I'm from a regulation point of view I can, but I can give examples of other mines. So Makassar mine at Turtle Lake, they have a grade of 18.3 gram per ton. And their all in sustaining cash cost is $500 per ounce. Right? And this has been the case for regions like the BDB region, Bits Basin in South Africa, Western Australia, where you have high grade rains uh, coming close to the surface and you, you mine them in this particular manner. Right? So that's the first thing. The second question is, is the model. Well, we have a 263,000 ounce resource, right? And if you look at what they were doing in the past, they were producing about 50 to 70,000 ounces a year, which is modest, right? However, in this, this is just a small halo around the current mine working, so the current interest within the mine. And we know that the deposit continues for another kilometers because we sampled it on the other side. So we have an exploration potential which is 1.2 million ounces at 18.7 gram per ton. And that's just about continuing following the rain all the way through, which we, we intend to do. So once we start doing that, we are actually taking out a bit of an ore, we are firming up our resources. So we're increasing the resources and we start production. And that's why we say we can start production, production in 14 to 24 months and increase our resources, right? That's just within the mountain. In the mountain as well, you also have other veins or evidence of other ways, a hanging wall way and a football way and potentially more. And that's very often you have those things in, in these kind of a deposit and it continues underneath the valley. So everything we are setting up is not only for initial production, but it is for a scale of potential as well. Right? The, then we have within that region, Varga, where you have three other ways. And so so we, it's almost like setting up a McDonald's branch. You do it once and then you can start doing it again and again for 20, 30 other targets and build the whole region of mines like they've done in these previous uh, other, uh, other, other mining producers. Why are they not doing as much there? Because they're already down to four kilometers depth in some cases, right? Whereas there is only one mine in South Greenland. When I say full cycle gold company, if you look at 50,000 ounces at a $1,500 gold price, and a $500 oil sustaining cost, you're getting a fair bit of free cash flow from that, right? And that what I always like to say to investors is that 
look at that. Look at the quality of the ounce instead of the quantity. Gravy scheme, don't move dirt, right? Create some potential for dividends and to support exploration. And, and the fact that we want to be in the position, when I say full cycle gold company, we want to be in the position that we don't have to always go back to the market, but we can actually grow organically our portfolio, right? Okay, so, and I appreciate what you say, but you know, people, high grade's great, and it makes the, the cost quite low, but people always look for the scale. They always want to see what the potential is. So, you know, I appreciate what you're saying, but so can you tell me, what, you talk about 14 to 24 months, that sort of time frame. Is that, are you shortcutting the process here? We've spoken to some companies recently who are saying, I'm going straight from PEA through to uh, production this year, okay? And they've explained why they think they can do that. And I think sometimes it's true and sometimes it's a, a bit of a stretch. So where are you today with the kind of, you know, con conventional uh, studies and, you know, how are you going to be able to deliver this and say 24 months into production? To, to make be absolutely clear on that, when I say 14 to 24 months into production, I mean from a fully funded company, right? Right, okay. Okay, so, so that, that's, that, that's, that's a big if. Okay. Yeah, well, it, it's a big if, but I mean, you know, the offers are coming in quite frequently right now to fund a, a gold company. So, so we, we, and our shareholder base is extremely supportive in that regards. We, you know, but just just a little bit on that. I mean, we have our backbone in our shareholding group is the Danish growth fund, Greenland Venture Fund, and CISA, which is the largest pension fund in Greenland. Then we have Scandinavian family offices. So we have um, backers of our company that maybe traditionally wouldn't be in mining, but they understand the kind of uh, the business sense behind being there. So so they're extremely supportive there. To your point, this project differs from many other projects because you have a past producing mine. So in 2003, before they started mining this, they had a full feasibility study done. Right? During the mining, first it was Google and then Angel Mining PLC, there was a full history of processing methods, mining methods, all of these different aspects. And in our calculation and methods and engineering studies, we're not going to do anything differently. Right? Um, Right now, we have a 43101 uh, uh, report. We don't have a PEA, you're right. However, using actual data, previous data, and we're basically going to continue the same, we will be submitting a PEA post-development. But when you have done the development, you're actually in production. <laughs> you get my point? So that's the, that's the nature of the deposit, right? But I would argue that there is much less risk on this because we're not doing anything new. We're just continuing following the rain, right? Which is there. And we've been drilling it and we understand the structure. So we say drill for structure or sample for structure in our case, because it goes on surface, drift or grade. So once you start drifting in our, in our, um, in our uh, business plan, we are doing two kilometers of drifting. You're actually following the rain, going into it. You're taking about 43,000 tons of ore we already have 20 to 30,000 tons of ore on site. That's one year, almost one year worth of production, right? So you've already been covered for your first year. And then you're going into the research, you're increasing your research from wherever you are, most likely. I can't say that beforehand, but, but I would argue that, that that's a very likely scenario. So you, you kind of do two things with, team, you know, what was it, team two, two Two flies with one stroke, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. But 
if I if I may, I want to come back to the money side of things, and because that that's very early. You're you're going to do yeah. the kind of development component and then yeah. submit the PEA, which in itself is usually considered quite a, an early document. Most people would not fund off the back of a PEA because it's, you know, 20, 30% well, plus we, or minus. So, so, so actually, we, we, we might not necessarily do a PEA. I might actually go straight for FS. So, so anyway, but yeah. Perfect. Okay, that, 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 that's interesting. Um, but, but even so, it, it all becomes a moot point because if you've got backers, whether it be the, the Danish State Development Fund or uh, the F, FBC, uh, holdings, you know, if you've had conversations with them and they are supportive and they're willing to fund you on the basis of your plan, it doesn't really matter, you know, what convention does. Okay, um, it, I guess that you know that's down to them as to whether they are happy to take that risk. Then at the end yeah. of the day, okay. Um, so if I if I then come back to um, you know you you're looking well, at your share, and, and I, I should probably also say if I'm ready to, I have a ten percent stake in the company. And I funded every single round myself. So anything that they are doing or my investors are doing, I'm doing, right? So it's actually quite clear compared to many other mining companies, that's how we always played it, right? And then we build up everything around that to make sure we take the most correct decision all the way through. That, that, that's been key to the for sure, for sure. Um, and if I, if I look at last year, I guess not many people were, were, were talking about you. You know, there wasn't much going on with the share price. There's not a lot of conversation. I mean, chat and so forth. But from the beginning of this year, your the share price has taken off. It's you know, almost doubled, which is which is great. What was it that the market was reacting to? What was the announcement that you think resonated? Well, I think I think there are two things. About some of it, I can explain. Some of it, I can't. Right. So I, I'm just going to say it. So I think I think the key thing with our company is that we have always persisted in focusing on doing the right thing and what we say each year before our exploration program we deliver on it and in, in all of the seven years we worked in Greenland we delivered on what we said we were going to do and within that budget right uh, so that that's number one thing. and I think share our current shareholders they've been extremely supportive and I think they see that and they see the value building up. So we said to the investors, we think there is a huge potential, not only in Nala, but other assets. We sampled some of these, we sampled some of these assets, we came back and that was proven. So I think I think that that has a, a good effect on it. Secondly, our our capital structure is extremely clean, right? So we, we have little or no warrants, or we don't have any of these uh, messy things that sometimes are in these companies. Due to the fact that you know they have been in a drought for money and so on and so on, right? Uh, we have a tight shareholding group, right? So there isn't much stock out there as well. That has to be said, right? So you know, being absolutely honest, that that's that. How much have you got outstanding? Yeah, about eighty million shares are outstanding. Right, around so, eighty million, which of which you hold ten percent yourself. And it's yeah, in our apartment. You've got you know, and between FBC and uh, the Danish State Development Fund. You know, they're nearest down at forty percent as well. So, and and the rest you, you listed in Canada. Why Canada, not on AIM or LSE? To begin, when we decided to list on Canada, we looked at Canadian junior market, and that seemed to be the largest. And that seemed to be it was the largest junior gold mining market in the world, right? Uh, at that point in time, AIM wasn't kind of an option. We kind of went. We, we looked at that. Uh, uh, we thought Australia was a bit too far away. Maybe that was thing. You kind of have to take a bit of a friendly guess there. Um, we think Canada is a great market, but we also like 
and we've said so in our press release that we are looking potentially to look at the opportunity of doing a dual listing on name market. Uh, and we have engaged uh, Stiefel to look at that option for us. No decision has been taken. Uh, the main reason, I think, for us to do that, I think what we bring potentially to the AIM market that others don't have is that we are OECD jurisdiction company. We are high grade. And, you know, we would be one of very few companies listed in, in, in London being in gold these days because there are so many of these companies that have been taken over or they stopped operation. So that kind of got not quite interested. And also the fact of the matter that this is a little bit closer to the time zone of London than agreeing on this in Europe and it's closer to it. So, so we looked a bit into that and, and we will continue to look at that. But at that point in time, Canada was, in our opinion, uh, the best market. And to be absolutely honest, from 2017 uh, towards this year, it was very occupied with cannabis stock, with bitcoins and or cryptocurrencies and so on. So what do you, you know, your question in the beginning, why have we performed? One thing I want to think is because we've always delivered on what we say. The second thing is actually gold is starting to be quite popular and people are looking at quality assets. And, and I don't think there are many of quality assets out there because many of them have been bought or acquired or merged and so on. So, so that's another thing as well. Yeah, but I think, I think the um, producers have seen that uptick since, you know, August, September last year or near-term near producers have seen that uptick. But developers, right. which I think you classify yourself as, um, have not necessarily all seen the benefit of this. So I just wonder if there's something that feedback that you were getting from the marketplace, uh, which was telling you what you what was attracting people to your story. Or is it just the fact that there's not that many shares out there and it doesn't take much to move the market? No, I think the key thing is that, I mean, people sometimes say they want scale. I think that's changing. I think people, investors are looking more towards ESG standards. I think they're looking at margins. I think they're looking at what we say in our uh, press, uh, in our uh, documents, quality over quantity. Um, I think they look at historical mines similar to ours. I mean, I I have uh, Makassa as one of them. Uh, you have uh, Island Gold and, and other other mines, and they've actually performed better than the big projects. So their resource growth has been a bit quicker, and subsequently, they're the company that holds these assets. They've actually performed better. So I think the market is understanding that much more. And the fact of the matter is, is actually, I just asked one of our analysts to do, take a, uh, a, a dig at it, uh, or look at it, or do a bit of an analysis for me to understand how many investable mines, high-grade mines, I, I, I use the 15 to 30 gram per ton kind of a ratio, can you invest in, I mean, if you want to do invest in high-grade mines. And I think there are about 15 of those worldwide and only seven, including ours, which are in safe jurisdiction. So if you really want to play high grade on that range, 15 to 30 gram per ton, there are only seven mines you can invest in today. And that's that's the key element here. It's like land. They don't make it any longer. And that There, I think, people are understanding that opportunity. I think as well, all of the debate and discussion about Greenland, which happened during Trump, <laughs> you know, announcement of him wanted to buy it, I definitely did give us some kind of a, well, people started uh, noticing. And to, to give you an idea, I mean, we have big mining companies now in Greenland, uh, not right before that, then post that. So Anglo-Americans in the country, Rio Tinto has done 
agreement with one of the um, uh, juniors there. We have big Chinese SOEs owning iron ore rare earth. Uh, the U.S. government is looking into rare earth in South Greenland. Orano mining is taking up last. And so the whole South Greenland has been now taking up almost in, in, in licenses. So lucky for us, we had already taken our part before yeah, that. So for it sure. shows how quickly things can change. Absolutely. So let's talk about this year. Let's talk about, well, maybe even the next 24 months. You, you talked about what you want to try and achieve operationally, but you are, you've got a bit of cash. You circa, we talk about between four and five million uh, Canadian in the bank at the moment. Yeah. I assume that hasn't changed. So yeah. you're going to go. You're going to need to raise some capital at some point. You know, do, have you got a sense of the economics? You know, what that's going to look like, what the timing's going to be. You're right. First and foremost, and I, I want to, I want to mention this one. But pre-COVID, before COVID, we already had, you know, this warrant exercise uh, built into into the last financing. So with all of the major shareholders contributing five million capital. And I think that shows a responsible behavior of the management. We always think about having enough cash on our boots to be able to deliver the shareholding value, right? And where does that leave us? Right now, we have availability to, to finalize all of our studies, all of, all of the things that we want to be doing, and we will be doing some exploration this year. We now have something additional, which is COVID. We need to think about that, how we operate in Greenland, how we do things, and that document is now being finalized. You can see in Greenland, they they already are free of COVID and they internally they start to do move around and do things just as normal. Iceland is in the same position and all of Scandinavia is moving in that, into that direction, maybe ex excluding Sweden at the moment. So we feel very lucky that we hadn't already started, right? Because there are all of these issues. Um, going forward, our focus is exploration this year to identify more of these deposits that we have and expand the potential that is on, on, on there. We then want to close the financing for the full build-up of the mine. That can either happen this year or, or beginning on next year. And then, as I said earlier, 14 to 24 months from then, we will be in the first customer. So that's the plan, really, for our shield. Thank you. Currently, we are valued, our market cap is 55 million. And if you think about it, we have a resource that is valued at $500 million. We have $150 million already invested. So you only need about 35 to 50 million US dollars to get this mine into full production, we believe. Um, uh, uh, I'm not talking about economics, I'm talking about actual fixed cost to get it, get it going. So you can see how undervalued we are compared to you know, the majors or even the mid tiers. So we think we have a lot in there to be, you know, high value before we necessarily would go out and, and raise, raise the equivalent uh, amount of capital. So we're looking into financing options, to be absolutely honest, if that's pure equity or equity in debt and how, how we restructure it. Do you, th and do you think, I mean, you haven't had meaningful conversations that you, you, you've kind of had a few, you've had a few conversations, but nothing meaningful at the moment, because I think the interesting thing to people would be to understand how you structure that um, and as a near-term producer, could you get some kind of holiday period on debt if you were able to get that into into the company? I'm, I'm, I won't rule anything out, but I'm a simple person uh, from a simple country up in the Arctic, and I like things to be clean. You can see it in my carbon structure. What I don't like is when companies take on too much debt and they use half of their miners to pay down their debt and they never return to shield. I'm a 10% shielder in my company. I want a return of my money. So ideally, I want it in full equity, right? That would be my ideal position. 
don't get me wrong, I will look at leasing equipment, I will look at anything to make sure my investors will get the most return on the capital as possible. But I will remind you, we are a growth story. We can potentially build 15, 20, 30 targets and build a whole region of this, which will be interesting to the majors for the reason that we are look, working in the same geology as Sweden and Finland, as in ABDB in Canada, in Greenland, where you know we are not in anyone's way, where there's no one there, the whole land is owned by Greenland government, and we are building it up in a manner that is compliant with environment, social and governance for the past seven years. And that's where I think we are different to many other companies. And what's the plan there? You gave, gave us a clue. You said it might be interesting to majors, but are you mind builders or are you going to get this to a point where it becomes interesting to majors? No. So I always like to, just like with my previous venture, we built it to the, it's now the largest geothermal district company. I don't like to think about exits. We are building a full cycle gold company. Okay which in return, we are going to build it up like a major company. We are going to be thinking about all of the things that matters to any major company if they want to do joint venture or acquire, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't want to be, we want to be able to create our own castle to support ourselves. And if we need to be the major, we will become a major, right? That could obviously quite quickly change if someone wants to acquire us. But then again, that what matters then? Having a clean capital structure, good investors who understand where we want to go to and build it up correctly. So you, you should, we have a saying in Iceland that you should, you should understand the end before you start. I don't know if you have that in England. So that's what we try to think of. Do the right thing all the time. And if we don't do the right thing, we then try to rectify that and, 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 and change course. Beautiful, beautiful. Look, I'm, I'm very keen to see how you get on. Uh, I love the fact you're kind of uh, sh- circumnavigating or shortcutting the process to kind of get to where you need to be quicker. Thing that's always attractive. Uh, gold's obviously high at the moment, bull market, lovely. Uh, hope you can take advantage of that. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you to say. I'm obviously very much bought into the story, <laughs> as you can hear. But yeah, well, we think it's just a fantastic opportunity and, and working in Greenland and, and there's a lot of responsibility as well, being that kind of a prestige country with great people there and all of that. And, and, and we take that very seriously. As you should. Well, like, thank, thanks again for your time and do stay in touch with us. Let us know if there's uh, any news and we'd be delighted to talk to you again. Well, thank you. I will do. Thanks for everything. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.